many glad you're here this morning? Yeah, so glad. So glad to be alive in this new year. Happy New Year once again. You know, we're starting a new series, in a, and it's called More in 24. More in 24. What a good title, More in 24. And I believe it's true. God has more for us in 24. Last week, I preached a message called The Best Is Yet to Come. But I believe that we as a people of God, God's church, we have not yet seen God's best for us in our life. Do you agree with that? There's more for us in 24. So <clears throat> in order to enter this year on the right foot in the right way, you know, what we do as a church, we have three days of fasting and prayer. So today, I'm going to talk about the power of fasting and prayer, the power of fasting and prayer. Close your eyes, bow your heads. Thank you, Father, for this word. May we hear this word. May our spirits accept it, receive it, believe it. Lord, and then help us, give us the grace to put feet to the message that we hear, to put it into practice. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen, amen. More than 24. So, I want to talk to you about the power of fasting and prayer. And what happens in the unseen realm when we fast and when we pray. So I'm going to take you to a, uh, to some it might be a familiar story. It's in a, it happens in the book of Exodus. And in, this, in the book of Exodus is the account of Moses, Joshua, and the people of God, the Israelites. And they're in a, a battle <clears throat> against their enemies called the Amalekites. Now, this was no ordinary battle. This, this is a battle that literally determined their survival. The Amalekites, if you do your, your, your research on, you know, in Bible history, you find out the Amalekites were a vicious, murderous band of people. They were scavengers, they were kind of nomadic, and they took pleasure in murdering and killing people. They were a bloodthirsty, greedy people. And they were a large, it was like a large, you know, nomadic nation. And they, they came, and Joshua and the people of God came up against these people, and they were in the fight of their life. And so this, this is a battle that has special significance here. So in, 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 um, in this story, God tells Moses to go up to the mountain and to lift up his hands to heaven. Exodus chapter 17, verse 11. Says, and, and so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. As long as he did what God told him to do with a physical act, with a posture of obedience, he was winning the battle. He was winning the battle because of his physical obedience to God. So this story is so important, I said, because it emphasizes the fact that somehow what we do physically determines what happens spiritually. You're tracking with me? It makes a difference in the unseen world. Guess what? There are two worlds that we live in. There's the physical world that's so, it's tangible to our physical senses, but listen, we also have senses to sense that there's another world. It's the spiritual realm. And then there are spiritual entities occupying 
and moving and influencing in this realm. Of course, we know it's the realm of angels and it's the realm of demons. And both of them, they do exist, don't they? They truly do. You know, in, in the story, uh, in, in the movie, the, uh, the Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, Clarence is not just a figment of imagination in George Bailey's mind, is he? Angels are real. And the Bible talks about angels. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7. says, And of the angels, he says, whom, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. You read your Bible, you find there's all kinds of encounters that people had with angels from <clears throat> right from the Old Testament right through to the New Testament, right to Revelation, right? Is encounters with angels. They're deeply involved in the moves and the, 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 the purposes of God on this earth, and sometimes we're just really not aware of them, are we? But they're there. And Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 says, And are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister? Another verse says, To serve for those who will inherit salvation. They're sent to help us. Right? So I believe this is what happened. There were angels released in this battle. I believe when Moses went up to the mountain, he was crying out to God. He was standing up on that mountain. Let's go back to that picture and take that photo. Thanks, Selena. <clears throat> I believe when Moses was seen, what was happening in that battle? And here's these trained, vicious warriors, the Amalekites, and, and fighting the people of God who were not really trained as warriors, and he could see the damage and, and, and their future literally depended in the, on God's help in this battle. So I believe when Moses went up to the mountain, he was crying out to God, God, we need help. God, we're in trouble. We need help from heaven. We need holy help from heaven. And I believe when, he, when, when God said, okay, then hold up, hold up your hands. And when you hold up your hands, angels are released. We're released. I believe that angels... Warriors joined in the battle, in that physical battle, and it was like a tidal wave, a power that came against the enemy, and it was seen, it was manifested by the victory of the God's people over their enemy. First, God, so Abraham obeys, does what God tells him to do with this physical act of lifting up his hands and prayer, and the victory comes to God's people. 1 Timothy 2, verse 8. Says, Paul says, I desire, therefore, that men pray. Not just men pray. Men and women pray. It means everyone, right? Pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So, without wrath. What does that mean? Without wrath means don't get mad when God tells you to do something. Don't get mad and, and don't get upset when God tells you to do something. And without doubting means don't question it. Don't say, well, what, God, what good is it if I do that? When the Word of God says, lift up your hand and praise me, lift up your hands. Don't say, well, why do I have to do that? Don't doubt. Don't say, I don't have to do that. Here's the truth. I like what Jensen Franklin says. The truth is our physical acts of obedience Bring spiritual release every time. 
God says, get on your knees and pray. It's a physical action that brings release. God says, lift up your hand and praise me. Brings, it brings spiritual release. Amen? These simple physical acts of obedience can release spiritual power from heaven. We need to understand that. And, and Jensen says that, that it brings a spiritual release every single time when we do that. Acts of obedience, acts of faith. You know, I believe in our culture, what we tend to do is we tend to base and we to relegate all our decisions upon our feelings and our intellect and not according to our, our physical obedience. For example, well, I feel I am humble. I feel I'm humble. So I don't have to get on my knees and worship God. I don't have to bow down to him. Well, I feel I'm loved by God. You know, I worship him in my heart. So I don't have to raise my hands and I don't have to worship God physically with my body. Besides, God knows my heart. Or how about this? Well, I feel like I have faith in my heart. So I don't have to show anyone that I have that. I believe it's it's true. Like, so much of what's happening in our world, and even in our church every day, everything in our modern church is, is reduced down to this internal stuff that's inside of us. And there's no real outward manifestation that God's looking for from his church. For example, if you tell your wife, I love you, sweetie, on the inside, right? But you never show it on the outside, never do. You know what? She's going to doubt you. She says, you're a liar. Prove it, right? But God is saying, I believe that what God is saying is this. Sometimes I'm looking for that act of physical outward obedience before I can release, before I will release my spiritual power and blessing on your lives. Amen? And you know, and fasting and prayer is one of those acts of faith and obedience. Question, what good Really, what good does it do to fast in prayer and pray? Taking an example in the Bible, Matthew chapter 17. A father has a son. He's demon-possessed. He has seizures. From time to time, the, 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 the son will go into, into a seizure. And he'll, he'll fall, usually when he's around water or fire, and he falls under the fire, and, or he falls under the water. And what's, the, you know, what's happening? He's possessed with a demon trying to kill him, right? Well, the father takes the son to the disciples and say, and tells and asks him, you know, can you do something to help my son? And what happens to the son? And so, so, the, so the disciples come, or, or the father and son uh, left their disciples, and they come to Jesus, and he brings his son to Jesus and says, hey, your disciples couldn't do anything to help my son. So what does Jesus do? He drives the demon up with the word. And then the disciples come to him, back to Jesus in verse 19, Matthew 17, 19. It says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could, why could we not cast it out? And then Jesus goes into a discord about faith, their faith, their lack of faith. Then he says, then he says if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be done for you, for what you say, right? Nothing will be impossible for you. But then in verse 21, Jesus goes on to say, however, say however, say however, however, 
This kind does not come out except by fasting, by prayer and fasting. Jesus says that prayer, if it's combined with fasting, can release a greater dimension of power than we realize. See, I believe there's a connection between, there's a connection between our physical action here and the spiritual power that is released from there, right? Think about Moses. Moses, as long as he held up his hands, they were winning the battle. Physical obedience releases spiritual power, releases God's favor, releases his help, releases miracles, releases the blessing of God. Good example. Naaman in the Bible is an Aramean commander. He's a great man, a great warrior. But the problem is he has leprosy. He's an Aramean, <clears throat> which are enemies of God's people too as well. But he heard that there's a prophet in Israel that can actually heal people. Boss is God that heals people. So he has this, he arranges it with the king and, and they go <clears throat> and they meet, is it, I think it's Elisha, Elisha. And Elisha doesn't even, I know he comes up with his horses and he's, you know, he's a mighty warrior, right? He, you know, and, and he's, and he's expecting Elisha to come up, come out to meet him. But all Elisha does, he sends his servant. And he says, tell Naaman, all he has to do is go to the Jordan River and dip seven times. Seven times. Tell him to do that. Well, Naaman is, gets angry. What? What? The guy doesn't even come I'm a, I'm a mighty commander. He doesn't even come out to address me. And what does he tell me to do? Dip Seven times in the Jordan River, that filthy Jordan? What about the rivers of Damascus? Abana, Farpar, they're, they're clean. And he's angry. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Second Kings 5, verse 13. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? Verse 14, so he went down, dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored, became clean like that of a young boy. You know what Naaman's response is after that? Now I know there is a, uh, there is a God in Israel who is really God. You know, we think, okay, well, Pastor Doug, you're saying, well, you're talking about doing. He's like, like you're preaching the gospel of works. That's not what I'm trying to do. Here's what I want to tell you. God loves you, and there's not a single thing more that you could do to make God love you more. God loves you. Nothing you can do. That's who he is, right? That's God's love. God's grace, God's mercy is totally unearned. It's totally undeserved, right? But there are certain things that we can do that just gets the attention of God. Things that have elements of obedience and love and sacrifice. There are some things that God calls us to do. We just need to do them. Amen? You know, every year, every year, I'm just being honest, I have this great sense of inadequacy, um, um, a sense of my own inability, you know, my own lack to do whatever God has called me to do, us to do as pastors, leading people and serving in ministry. 
And, you know, I, I just feel that sometimes, you know, like I just can't do it by myself. And so that's why, as we, for myself and even as a church, that's why we, every year, we begin the year together with three days of fasting and prayer. Because when we do that, when we fast, what we're saying to God is, God, we recognize our dependence on you for the new year. We can, I cannot do it by the arm of the flesh. God, I need you. God, I need you. I need, God, I need your anointing. And you need his anointing as much as I do. Amen? Moses' battle. That account is the Old Testament example that happened in Old Covenant times. Jesus is the New Testament example of New Covenant times for us today. And the Bible, if you read this, the life of Jesus, he often drew to lonely places to be with. He prayed constantly. And I believe he also fasted a lot. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. <clears throat> then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Then, so Luke's gospel here talks about Jesus, talks about him fasting. If you keep on reading, if you read to the next chapter, Luke chapter 5, you'll actually find that those two chapters are very interconnected. There's, 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 a, there's something, a, a theme of what God wants to say that follows right from the old scriptures that we read, right into the next one. And in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 36, Jesus talks about two different types, of th two things. First of all, he talks about clothes, new and old clothes. Luke 5, 37. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. So it doesn't work. Then he goes on to talk about wineskins. Verse 37. And no one puts, on, puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled and, and also the wineskins will be ruined. But... New wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Jesus is saying, if you want new wine, you need new wineskins. Why is that? Because the new wine is fermenting. The new wine is still active. The new wine is still changing. New wine is Holy Spirit. The wineskins... You guessed it, is you. Right? New wine is Holy Spirit. The wineskins are us. So the reason that I sacrifice my body, my wineskin, by fasting and prayer is so that God can work on me. So that God can prepare me. That God can change me 
so that he could pour the new wine in me for the new year. Amen? Fasting and prayer prepares us for the new that God has for you in this coming year. I didn't hear a lot of amens for that. Back to, that, back to Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. The reason Jesus is fasting, he fasted all that time is because he wants to spend more time in prayer. I would just say this, without prayer, fasting without prayer really doesn't do much, except it might affect your, affects your, your physical, yeah, it affects you physically, and it affects your diet. But there's nothing right. There's nothing spiritual about it if that's all you do. So true. Fasting needs to be combined with prayer and the word to be effective. You have to fast and with prayer and the word of God. Fasting. When Jesus, fa- when Jesus fasted, what happened in that 40-day fast? was I believe this is what happened. It really heightened his sense of his identity and purpose. And the devil came and attacked Jesus. What was he attacking? His identity and purpose. Devil, you know, the devil came to him and says these, these words, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. If you are the son of God. You know, if the, devil, if the devil came to Jesus to attack his identity and his destiny, don't you think the devil is going to come to you to attack your sense of identity and destiny, your calling, your purpose, your mission? Of course he's going to. And the devil said to him, If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him by saying, saying It is written, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. If you are the son, if you are the son, three times, if you are the son, if you are the son, what was the devil doing? He was attacking Jesus' identity and destiny. What does Jesus do? He comes back with a powerful counter-attack. Attack. And what does Jesus say? It is written. It is written. It is written. For every time, the question, you know, every time, if you are the son of God, it was, it is written. It is written. It is written. Jesus came Back with a powerful counterattack, he spoke the written word of God against the enemy. And that's why it's so good for us to know his word and to speak his word out loud. Amen? Question. So, what happens when we fast and pray and take in God's word? What happens? We too get a heightened sense of our purpose and our destiny in Christ. And you don't have to wonder who you are. You don't have to wonder if you're saved. And you can declare with power and authority, I am a new creation in Christ. I am saved by the blood of Christ. And I'm a child of God. Amen? And I have a purpose. It's God's purpose in my life. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, Luke says, Jesus left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The next verse, verse 14, says Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. Jesus returned in the power 
of Holy Spirit. And if you keep on reading the rest of that chapter, that's when he went into the synagogue and he read from the scrolls of Isaiah and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I have come. I am the Messiah. Amen? His ministry began after his time of fasting and prayer. Jesus went into that, fast, that time, that 40 days of fasting and prayer. And I believe that he had this internal awareness. He knew who he was, right? I mean, had no doubt about it. He knew who he was. He knew what he, who was, what he was called for. He knew what he was going to do. I believe he really knew it. But listen, I th- but, but it was an, definitely he had this internal awareness and recognition. But really, uh, he knew his identity and purpose. But it was internal at that point. I believe it was, yet, it was internal. He knew it. But it was yet to be released and to announce and revealed to the world around him. Are you getting me here? But after that, but after that fast, what was internal became external. He came out with external power, power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, today, you and I, you and I, as we go into not just this next three days, but even in, you know, throughout the year into times of fasting and prayer, we too, we have this internal sense. We have internal promises, don't we? We have internal desires. We have internal dreams. We have internal callings and purposes of God in our life. And like Jesus, if we get into times of fasting and prayer, the internal can become external, and we could come out with the power of Holy Spirit flowing through our lives. Amen? Amen. It's, it's available for every single one. I believe this is the call of God. One of the calls of God in 2024 is to find a people who are praying, people who are seeking God, fasting and praying. They will be a powerful, spirit-filled people. Amen? They, we will be the ones. We are the vessels to conquer the enemies of this world. And it's going to take power of Holy Spirit. Not by might, nor by power, but by His Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. John chapter 4, 31. Looking at time. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus to have a meal, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he told them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples, so the disciples asked, said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will who sent me and to completely finish his work. Jesus said to his disciples, I have food that you do not know about. I have food, I have meat. And my meat and my food is to do his work. I have not come this far to fade out, to not finish, to fizzle out. I have not come this far, is what Jesus was saying. And I want to say this, we as a church, we have not come this far. Amen? I believe that we are literally going to be positioned. We are positioning ourselves to see more souls. Thousands of more souls are coming into the kingdom in this next year of 24 and in this decade. We will see an incredible move of God, of people coming into the kingdom of God. Can I say this? God is about to reign on the earth. 
And that rain is Holy Spirit. And He is coming in incredible power. But listen, He's looking for vessels to move through and fill. And I want to say this, we are His chosen vessels. And City Light is a vessel of God. Amen? Years ago, I'm going to finish this with this. Years ago, God spoke to us personally. And I, I believe in the prophetic. And I believe there's going to be a revival of prophetic ministry in the church. And I believe that God is going to you know, release prophetic callings on people. And we had a, a word from a very prolific prophet, prophetess, and her name is Rachel Hickson from the UK. Very well recognized. And I remember this word. Just weep. Um, Always reminded us of this word. Excuse me. And Rachel Hickson prophesied this, and we said, "God, is it ever going to happen?" And she, um, let me cut myself here. She simply said this to Karen and I: "You are not just shepherding pastors; you are harvesting pastors. You will see the harvest." You will be partners in the harvest of God. And you know what that means? That means this church, City Light, is a harvesting church. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. And you, you, let's believe. Let's believe God for harvest. Let's believe for those unsaved family members to come, into, you know, come to Christ. Let's believe for those co-workers. Let's believe for those hard nuts that would never give in. For the, their shells to crack. And to come into the kingdom of God. Amen? Let's believe for droves of people coming into the kingdom. Let's be for cities. Let's believe for nations coming to Christ in these coming years. Amen? Say with me. The best is yet to come. More in 24. Hallelujah. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Father, we are looking forward to laying hold of the new things that you have for us. New endeavors, new opportunities. People coming, souls being won to Christ. Cities being changed, neighborhoods being changed, the world being changed by this next moves of God that are coming upon this earth. We're believing personally for new opportunities, new endeavors, new businesses, new adventures in the year ahead. And so we speak. Grace, grace, grace. As we enter times, we come on one-on-one with you in prayer and fasting, spending time with you and in your word. And Father, may we truly come out different than when we meant, than when we went in. May the internal that you're putting in us, these hearts, the desires, these passions, these goals, may the internal become external. And may we come out in the power of Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. And we also speak grace and favor over families here. We speak over unsaved family members to come to Christ. We pray for hurts to be healed. We pray for bodies to be healed, to be made well. We pray for relationships We pray for businesses. We pray for ministries to be blessed and started. We pray for outreaches to people who've never been reached before. 
We pray for signs, wonders, and miracles to happen through the church and in our lives. May the kingdom be advanced through your church in Lethbridge. And all these churches that we collectively call the ministerial, the association of churches, may we combine together and work together to see the kingdom of God advance and people went to Christ. So thank you, Father. We declare more in 24. And everyone agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Would you just keep your heads bowed for just another minute? I just want to pray for someone. Maybe you're here today. And you know about him, about Jesus. You've heard about him, but you've never really taken that step to personally invite him right into your heart. I want to tell you, you can do that right now. This is your moment. This is a time God is calling you to into his kingdom for such a time as this. You were born to know, you were born in this world to be born again, to have a new life with Jesus Christ. And if you've never not done that, this is your time. This is your opportunity. God wants you. God loves you. He wants into your heart, come into your, into your heart and your life and to totally revolutionize, to change your life. You will never be the same. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. Short prayer, simple prayer. But I promise you, it will be the most powerful, life-changing prayer for you. It'll affect you right into eternity. It's an invitation to receive Jesus Christ and to the gift of eternal life. That means a new start right in your own life with power and significance. And when you die, when you, go to, when you leave this life, you go to heaven to be with God forever. Greatest gift you will ever ask for or ever receive. If you've never done that, bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're online and you're watching, do the same. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If that's you, say these words. You can whisper them. You can even think them in your mind to Jesus. If you can't, whisper. And he'll hear every word if you seriously mean it. Are you ready? Say after me. Say this to him. Father in heaven, I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, shed his blood to pay for all of my sins. I believe that Jesus is now the resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords, and he wants to be a part in my life. So today, Father, thank you for Jesus' shed blood. Forgive me of every sin I've committed. And today and now, Lord, I invite you into my heart to be Lord and Savior of my life forever. In Jesus' name, amen.